Uh, I begin with uh, a lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher. They all decide they're going to go out deer hunting together. As they are walking into the woods, a trophy 12-point buck wanders onto a trail in front of them about 30 yards ahead. Uh, all three, the lawyer, the doctor, the preacher, quickly load their guns, and almost simultaneously they fire at this massive buck. Uh, the buck falls to the ground, and the lawyer, the doctor, and the preacher, they all run to the trophy deer. Uh, problem is, they can't figure out who killed the 12-point prize. Was it the lawyer, the doctor, or the preacher? So they can't figure it out. So finally they remember there's a DNR officer, lived down the road. Let's call him and see if he could determine which of them had actually shot and killed this prized deer. Um, DNR officer arrives, looks over the 12-point buck, and he says, it's obvious the preacher killed this buck. It's a preacher shot. And the lawyer and the doctor were stunned. What, what do you mean, a preacher shot? How, how can you tell? How on earth could you know it was the preacher who killed this amazing buck? And the DNR officer explained, I, I know it was the preacher because the shot went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> preacher shot. For once, we went easy on you lawyers, didn't we, Kev? Yeah. Today, uh, we're going to look in the life of a man who was called by God to speak for 40 years to thousands of people, and, and here's, here's what's interesting, almost everything he said went in one ear and out the other. They, they didn't care what he had to say. He was doing lots of preacher shots, or in this case, prophet shots, and uh, Judah doesn't want to listen. They're, they're not really interested. If you have your Bible, let's go to Jeremiah. Uh, we are in the story again today. We are in uh, chapter 17 of the story. By the way, how are you doing on this story? Keeping up? Can I see your hands, those of you? If, if, you're, if you're in the same zip code of keeping up, you can put your hand up there, okay? Yeah, okay, I understand. Uh, uh, we have new questions out, out there. So if you're in a community small group, uh, Handsome King Cal has given us lots of wonderful questions to help us in our study. If you just want to study along personally, they're out in the table, out through the middle doors. There's uh, lots of those next sets of questions through the end of the story. Okay, Jeremiah is 20 years old when he's about 20. Uh, again, some of this, it doesn't give us his exact date of birth, but we know from other things uh, he's about 20 years old when he's called to be spokesman or prophet for God. Uh, he was appointed in 627 B.C. Okay, so we know when he was appointed and when he, was, when he died, but we, we're not exactly sure. We didn't get his birth certificate uh, anywhere. So he's, he's a prophet for God for about 40 years before King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army march on the scene and just annihilate the city of Jerusalem. Okay, So that will help you understand 
Jeremiah chapter 1, got it now? He's 20 years old approximately, and now the Lord calls Jeremiah to speak and warn and prophesy and cry out to Judah for 40 years. And, and here's what you need to understand. Nobody listens. Nobody seems to care. Whatever he says goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, and yet, Jeremiah continues to have hope. That's the amazing thing. Even though nobody's listening, Jeremiah was never without hope because he knew that our God is never without a plan. God's never without a plan. So therefore, that brought great hope to Jeremiah. We're going to start reading out loud together in Jeremiah chapter 1, okay? Uh, we're going to see him get called to a very lonely job, a, a very lonely ministry, and uh, we're going to start reading in verse 4 and read down through verse 9. So if you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read out loud together. When a judge comes into a courtroom, what does everybody do? And uh, when a bride is about to march down uh, in, in, the, in the wedding, what does everybody do? And when a president enters into the room and they're playing hail to the chief, what's everybody supposed to do? Okay. Uh, that's why we stand. This is God's book. This is his instruction manual for us. And we stand in honor and in reverence of uh, what he has to say to us. Start with verse 4. Let's read out loud together. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I commanded you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that uh, Jeremiah was willing to be used by you. He had excuses, Lord, like we do. He said he was too young. He said he didn't know how to speak, and yet you still used him. Thank you for recording that for us. And right now, Lord, I'm, I'm asking that you'll help us to learn from uh, what Jeremiah has to say. Uh, help us to tune into your word and your spirit. Lord, I, I believe you have some things to say to us individually, personally, I think you have some things to say to us as a church as well. Lord, uh, I want to lift up uh, some folks here who've had a really hard week. Lord, uh, I want to pray not just for them, but their husbands as well. Lord, first of all, I would lift up our, uh, our sister, Sandy Fortier. Lord, uh, she's had a tough week, and now she started rehab after her stroke, and I'm praying for strength and healing, especially for that left side that isn't cooperating so good right now. I pray for lots of uh, healing and strength for her. Help her, Lord, to keep on keeping on even when she's tired. And I pray for Perry. 
that you'd bring him comfort and strength as well. Lord, I also want to pray for another sister who we love, Margaret Dudek, and her broken body in that hospital in Puerto Rico. Uh, Lord, concerns us. So uh, I just want to pray that uh, you'll protect her and care for her and provide for her. And Lord, if there's a way we can get her to a United States hospital, Lord, would you make the way? And I pray for Mike as well. He's down there and he's uh, overwhelmed. And Lord, I'm praying that your grace and your strength would shower down on him. Lord, I also want to pray for our friends over at Harbor Light Community Chapel. Lord, they're dealing with the loss of their founding pastor, Pastor Bill. And Lord, I I pray for grace and comfort, first of all, for the Mindell family. Lord, they've touched a lot of lives. You've used Pastor Bill in some amazing ways. And uh, now, uh, all those folks he's touched need lots of your touch. So would you uh, encourage them, bring comfort and strength to that church family? And finally, Lord, I want to pray for some who are standing right now here in your church. And uh, the details might not be well known, but they're hurting and struggling. They're overwhelmed. And I'm praying that right now, today, your healing touch might be upon them. Would you bring courage? Would you bring strength? Would you bring uh, the grace and the mercy that only you can bring to each of those who are in a tough situation right now? Thanks for being awesome. Thanks for uh, knowing all the details. Even if no one else knows, you know the details. And I pray for us as a church family, Lord, as uh, some folks let known, be known their struggle, their difficult situation, Lord, help us to love like Jesus on each other. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, can be seated. Can you imagine speaking and sharing truth with tens of thousands of people 40 years, and we might say it like this, not one person makes a decision after 40 years of faithful ministry. It just blows my circuits that 40 years Faithful day in and day out, uh, Jeremiah was standing up for the Lord and nobody's listening, nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares what Jeremiah has to say. And I'll just tell you, I'm going to be honest, every once in a while the Lord leads me to have an invitation, a challenge, ask folks to respond. Would you lift your hand? Would you stand? Would you come forward? And nothing. Crickets. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, really, Lord? Really? Why'd you ask me to do that? Uh, And and then I read about this guy who for 40 years, day in, day out, calling for Judah to repent, and nothing, nothing. But he was faithful. Now, uh, he uh, began ministry here in Jeremiah 1 in 627 B.C. 627 before Christ. Uh, And we know that in 582, he died. Uh, History, tradition tells us he was in Egypt, and he was stoned to death. They had heard him enough. Uh, They they were tired of hearing from Jeremiah, and literally, 
uh, it says uh, that they killed him. They just threw rocks at him, and uh, he was stoned to death in Egypt. Um, Jeremiah was speaking to a nation that was hurtling headlong towards judgment from Jehovah God. So, so they were heading straight for disaster. They heard the warnings, but they disregarded the warnings. Do you understand? They were hearing Jeremiah, but they weren't listening. And their idolatry and their disobedience just continued on. Now, Jeremiah is uh, a big book. I don't know if you know it, but it's the, in terms of words. Did you know that Jeremiah is the longest book in the Bible? And some of you are thinking, but I thought that was Psalms. Well, Psalms has the most chapters, but some of the Psalms are pretty short chapters. There aren't very many short chapters in Jeremiah. There's 33,002 words in the book of Jeremiah. Um, now, that depends on translation. Some translations have a few more, some a few less. But it, everywhere I looked, everybody agreed Jeremiah is the longest book. Second longest book, any guesses? Genesis, 32,046 words. And third, anybody, any guesses? Psalms is the third, 30,147 words in the book of Psalms. Um, 45 chapters, first 45, got your Bible? Just kind of thumb through and look through the first 45 chapters. A lot of words there. Thousands of words, and they're almost all words of warning. They're almost all words that are saying, you better repent, you better do it God's way, you, you better return to Jehovah God, you better turn from your idolatry, you better turn and come running back to the Lord. Uh, God's chosen people had been shown great patience. For hundreds of years, the Lord was sending prophet after prophet, you're rebellious, you're idolatrous, you're disobeying, and he kept sending prophets. And now Jeremiah was like that final prophet. I'm going to send one more. He's going to be like my final spokesman, and you better listen to him. And for 45 chapters, they're not listening. They're not listening. Your kings have sacrificed their own children to false gods. Can you imagine? The kings of God's chosen people were actually sacrificing their children to Molech, a false god. They were allowing idols to be built in the holy temple there in Jerusalem. I mean, it's like, wow, how bad things have gotten. But even in the midst of the warnings and the rebellion, Jeremiah also spoke with hope. Now that's, that's, that's pretty amazing to me. Lots of warnings, lots of dire predictions. It's bad, it's getting worse, but Jeremiah still had hope. He never lost hope. Why? Because our God is never without a plan. Why do you keep saying that, Jeff? Well, I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. How many of you are familiar with Jeremiah 29 11? How many of you would say, uh, that's like one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29.11. Anybody? Yeah, several of you. Okay, 29.11 of uh, Jeremiah. Here's what it says. Matter of fact, 
Thank you, Clint, for putting it up there. You want to read it with me? Let's read it out loud together. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That verse was like destined to be on every graduation card for, uh, for Christians. It just, it's like made for, for that sort of a thing. But here's the interesting thing. There, there's hope there, right? Plans to give you hope and a future. But all around that verse is judgment and warning. And if you don't do it God's way, if you don't repent, if you don't turn around and go the other direction, it's going to be really bad, you evildoers. And uh, like I said, sure enough, 586, about 40 years after Jeremiah started prophesying, exactly what he said happened. King Nebuchadnezzar came marching in with his Babylonian army and just crushed and wiped out Jerusalem. And here's what he did. Uh, The Assyrians killed most of the folks they conquered. Babylonians said, no, no, that's a waste. We're going to drag away the best and the brightest. And they took them back to Babylon. And a good example of that is a guy named Daniel, one of the best and the brightest who is living here in Jerusalem, got dragged away to Babylon and we're going to look at him next, next Sunday. Okay, So we'll be looking at Daniel chapter 18 next Sunday. Now, what's interesting, look at chapter 29, verse 11, that verse that that's everybody loves. I love that verse. I love it. But I, I just want to show you um, what happens, one verse, what Jeremiah says, inspired by God, put it on his mouth. What does Jeremiah 29, 10 say okay so you got to look at the context right you need to see what exactly 11 is all about and and here's what i want you to know before we read it this verse never makes it on any graduation cards okay and and i've never heard of anybody who says what's your favorite verse jeremiah 29 10 uh why uh well let's read it okay here we go this is what the lord says when 70 years are completed for babylon I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. You can just leave that up, Clint, because I want you to think about it. So, so tie that in to the next verse. What was God's plan for Israel's future? What was his uh, plan to prosper and not harm them, to give them hope, to bring them a future? Okay, are you ready? Look at, look at 10. Uh, it was a 70-year plan. That was God's plan. Uh, Babylonians are about to destroy and devour you. Look at verse 10, but there's hope. <laughs> but it's going to be 70 years before that hope comes into view. It's going to be 70 years you're going to spend in captivity. And here's the message. You ready? Jeremiah says... And then many of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren are going to come back here to Jerusalem and rebuild it. You tracking? So that was the hope. That was the promise. Uh, it's, it's not so bad. It's going to be really bad. And you're going to be gone, everyone, for 70 years. But 
your, your relatives, your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they're going to come back and they're going to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So here's my question. What do you think of a 70-year plan? Okay? How, how does that fit with you? If I came to you and said, don't worry, God has a 70-year plan for you, how does, that, how does that feel? And most of us would say, I would prefer a 70-minute plan. Anyone? Okay? Lord, clear this up, and in like an hour and ten minutes, you know, then you'll have it all together, and, and it'll all be happily ever after. Or uh, maybe I'll go with a 70-hour plan. I'll consider that, and if I'm feeling really patient Maybe I'll even go with a 70-week plan, right? But a 70-year plan? 70 years? Really? We don't always understand God's timing, do we? And yet, that doesn't mean the Lord doesn't have a plan. And that's what we need to get on our hard drives today. We need to get that tattooed on our minds and our hearts and our souls because just because I don't understand God's timing, that doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't have a plan. I'm going to say it again. We're never without hope. If we know the living God, if we know the God of the Bible, we're never without hope. Why? Because our God is never without a plan. Never. Never has been without a plan. Never will be without a plan. Now, I'm not saying that we always understand it. I'm not saying that we always like it. But I'm just telling you, God knows what He's doing. He's always got a plan. So, that's comforting when we get an email from uh, RMI when it, when it says, you know, there's this political unrest in the Darivo territory. And... Uh, we really don't think your team should go up into that area. Um, and we're saying, listen, uh, Lord, we've been planning this trip for about a year. Right, John? We, we've, been, we've had these dates set. Lord, Lord we've, we've got this team together, and you know they've got all of these amazing things ready to go with our sister church up there. Um, so then we start asking questions, right? Lord, why? Did you allow this tension to take place in that area anyway? Uh, you could have held it back, right, Lord? Why on earth didn't it let, let it be moved to a different territory, to somebody else's sister church? Why, why did you mess with our sister church in our area? And I come back to... Clint, you want to put it up there? Yeah. We're never without hope. Why? Because our God is never without a plan. You want to say it with me? I think you should. We're never without hope. Why? Because our God is never without a plan. Again, I'm not saying that we get it. I'm not saying that we always understand it. But I'm telling you, God's up to something. And God knows what He's doing. And it's going to be fun to hear the report back that here, here's what God had on his radar for our team. Our hope doesn't come from a political party. I hope you understand that. Our hope doesn't come from our cash or our IRA. 
Our hope doesn't even come from our families or our friends. Our hope flows from Jesus Christ. Our hope flows from Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to show you. Uh, these are some of my very favorite verses. But uh, 1 Corinthians 15, slide down to verse 55. Uh, Paul's writing, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Uh, and, and then I can almost see Paul starting to dance like Pastor Brandt does. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Therefore, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We've got hope. Why? <laughs> because we've got Jesus. And he brings us victory. He, he brings us good things, and our labor is never in vain when we're doing it for the king, for King Jesus, the king of the kingdom. Um, it's Christmas week a couple months ago. It's Tuesday. Uh, Christmas Eve is Saturday. Christmas Day is Sunday. Uh, Denise and I are about to fly home. Our daughter, Brittany, just graduated from nursing school at Liberty University. Uh, we need to get home. Lots of things going on. Um, so we, uh, we're up at, I don't know, as Kevin would say, oh, dark 30. Uh, it was dark. And we arrive because our flight's going to take off at 6 a.m., but no worries, we're going to arrive very nicely back in Traverse City about 3 o'clock. Uh, anyway, uh, we get there and the very cheery lady says, um, there's been a problem with the plane um, and I'm sorry, but you can't fly out today. And you, you don't understand, but we need to get home because this is Christmas week um, and therefore, we really need to get home. Um, and she says, we have no seats available, her words, until Christmas Eve day. That's four days away. Uh, I, excuse me let, me, let me say it again. We really need to get home. Uh, and I'm saying it nice with the love of Christ. Uh, and, and she says, again... We have zero, this is Christmas, she repeats back, you're right, this is Christmas week, we have no seats available, but we can call a taxi to drive you to Charlottesville, Virginia. And I'm thinking, why would I want to go to Charlottesville, Virginia, about two to three hours away? And she says, because they do have some seats, and there's a, two seats for you and your wife, and they can fly you to Charlotte, North Carolina. That's good. We're getting closer, except that's south, and I want to go north. Uh, but she says, here's, here's what's bad. You're, you're going to miss your flight from Traverse City, from Chicago to Traverse City, Michigan, where your car is parked, and there are no seats available to Traverse City till after Christmas. Okay. Uh, but she says why don't you fly to Charlotte, North Carolina, 
and you can go and talk to somebody and, and see what they say. Okay. So, so we get in the taxi, uh, three hours to Charlottesville, fly to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and sure enough, in Charlotte, North Carolina, a uh, lady, very nice lady, says, no, no seats to Traverse City till after Christmas where your car is parked, uh, but we can fly you into Grand Rapids, Michigan tonight. Okay, uh, we're getting closer now, but you're still two to three hours from my car in Traverse City. And I'm trying to explain this to her. Uh, so Denise and I are doing lots of laughing and talking and uh, sarcastic jokes at each other. Uh, okay, let's get closer and then we'll figure something out. So Denise and I arrive in Grand Rapids um, and somehow, some way, we find this taxi driver named Jabril. Uh, and Jabril was from the south. That's where he grew up. He'd only been in Grand Rapids for a little while, and he tells us he hates snow, and he hates driving in the snow, and now Jabril is going to drive us in his taxi from Grand Rapids to Traverse City, and it's, it's bad. It's snowing. It's icy on bald tires. Uh, but for five hours, we get to talk to Jabril about his life and about Jesus and about what we do. And oh, by the way, the airline paid for that taxi. It was kind of cool, yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I just want you to know that was God's plan. It's like, really? Really, Lord? Uh, you couldn't have worked that out a little easier? And, and, and you say, no, no, there's hope. The Lord knows what he's doing. Another true story. Uh, headed out on vacation and within... The first hour of heading out in the back seat, the middle child is ralphing up a storm. Okay? So headed south, going to drive for 22 hours, and now child number two uh, has begun in a pretty uh, awful way. Uh, really, Lord? Really? You, you couldn't have had him get sick last week? I want you to say it again with me. Clint, put it up there, would you? We're never without hope. Why? Because, okay, okay, we're going to change that, okay? I want you to get more specific. Because Jesus is never without a plan, okay? Ready? We're never without hope. Because our Jesus is never without a plan. Um, I want to show you one more um, section of verses. This guy named Jeremiah also wrote a book called Lamentations. Um, a bunch of cries, a bunch of tears. But uh, if you have your Bible, go to Lamentations 3. And uh, again, within some really sad, sad situations, uh, here's what Jeremiah wrote, chapter 3 of Lamentations. Uh, I want to start reading with verse 21. It says, uh, Yet this I call to mind... And therefore I have, what does it say? I've got hope. Why? Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They're brand new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. <laughs> Why is Jeremiah so hopeful? <laughs> because of his God. Because he knew 
the God he served was full of great love, was full of compassion and new mercies every single morning. So like when you're having a really bad day, uh, guess what? You get brand new mercies the next morning. Good stuff. We're not consumed. We're not overwhelmed. Why? It's because you're faithful. Lord, you're faithful. So as we uh, wrap this up right now, I suspect some of you here today are just wondering, really, Lord, really? What about this financial situation that I'm facing? What about this prodigal child I'm dealing with? What about this dying marriage I'm, I'm fighting for? What about this health situation that I just learned about? What, what's going on? Put it back up there one last time, and we're going to put Jesus, okay? Uh, God's good, but I like to be lots more specific. Have you ever noticed? People will talk about God. They're not nervous talking about God, but they're really nervous talking about who? Because you've gotten very specific. Now you're talking about the cross and the shed blood and you need to make a decision. So let's say it again one more time and then we're done. We're never without hope. Why? Because our Jesus is never without a plan. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? You better get that on your hard drive. You better get that tattooed on your soul and on your mind way ahead of the next curveball coming your way. When you have something perfectly planned out, really? I'm not without hope here. Jesus, you've got a plan. Let's pray together. Lord, we just acknowledge that you are awesome. And your mercies are new every morning. And we're not consumed and overwhelmed with changes in plans because we know you have a plan. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't like it, Lord, we believe that you know what you're doing. So just before we close, I want to pray for some of you. The situation I'm in right now, it's, it's not good. I don't like this, this situation where it's headed. Uh, I had different plans uh, and Lord, I need your hope. Anybody say that's me? I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you as we close. Yeah. Anybody there? Yep. Others of you? Anybody in the balcony? Or balcony people don't ever have struggles and overwhelming situations. Yeah. Lord, watch over my brothers and sisters, my uh, family members here. Lord, would you give them grace? Would you give them hope and the strength to believe that you know what you're doing? even if it's painful and hard. Thank you for the example of Jeremiah. He hung in there. He was faithful to you. And he spoke faithfully your words for 40 plus years. Even when it was going in one ear and out the other. He trusted that you had a plan. Help us, Lord, to follow his lead and trust that you have a plan. It's in the amazing and awesome name of Jesus we pray all these things.